Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Freel, and with me as always are Josh Brown and Jake Bavorsky. Josh, how are you doing? Doing great, Dan. Another uh, week uh, closer to TBT. We're in the uh, thick of things right now, so uh, doing great. And Jake, you're doing well, Assume. I assume as well? Absolutely. Anytime we get a little bit closer to a TBT game, it's, uh, it's a good day for me. Three weeks, two days out. I uh, can't wait. Very excited. It's unbelievable how quickly it's approaching. Uh, I'm looking at this bracket, guys, and I swear I've gone back and forth like 15 times already about who I think is going to get out of each regional. Um, Jake, it's not going to get any easier as teams start adding players. It's not. I've heard a couple of very interesting names of teams that, that might be adding some guys um, that could change the course of some regions. Uh, so I personally will hold off on filling out my bracket for another week or two until I get a, a better feel of the landscape. Uh, but it's, it's going to be awesome. I'm very excited. There's a couple, couple teams I'm definitely keeping an eye on to see what kind of moves they make over the next few weeks before I, I decide which way I'm going to go. And Josh, you're a, a big bracket guy, obviously. I assume you don't fill your bracket out until the very last minute either, right? Correct. Yeah. I, the TBT bracket challenge is actually open right now. So you fill out your bracket right now, uh, at the tournament.com slash slash my slash bracket um so everyone should fill out their bracket but no fill no i'm not. like jake i'm gonna wait until uh much closer to tbt i know who i'm gonna pick for my champion which i'm sure we'll get into when we do our regional previews coming up and beyond that um so i know who my champion is but i have no idea how they'll get there so uh i'm still uh, waiting to do all that all right, guys, we have an awesome interview uh, that we recorded with uh, Mark Titus from the Ringer Network's One Shining Podcast. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, Mark is a former walk-on at Ohio State, uh, has a lot of inside knowledge and has a, lot, a really great information about Ohio State basketball, alumni teams generally, and really just is a fun, smart guy. So guys, let's get to that interview now with Mark Titus of One Shining Podcast. Okay, we want to welcome onto the pod now Mark Titus of The Ringer, who hosts, uh, of course, the great podcast, One Shining Podcast. Um, Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Um, it is. Uh, I'm out here. We were talking right before we went on the air. Um, I'm out here in Los Angeles complaining about the weather because it's like a little cloudy. That's like that's how I know I've become a full Californian is that um, when it gets cloudy, I start. I call back home to Ohio and Indiana and I complain about the weather. and they'd get really upset with me because and they're jealous that it actually is a little bit yeah. cloudy out there i'm yeah. sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um i'm doing great though otherwise other than other than a few clouds in the sky <laughs> that's great and you recently had a birthday too i did yeah i i, I turned uh 27 for the fifth year in a row it's crazy um, <laughs> yesterday big that's celebration <laughs> definitely a big one well two guys who aren't 27 are here with us josh brown and jake pavorsky uh but mark what we wanted to do is kind of talk with you a little bit and kind of explore some of your unique perspectives specifically on uh college basketball alumni uh teams playing in tbt and things of that sort so you know just kind of mm -hmm. jumping right into it obviously you know your your name kind of broke into the public consciousness through your involvement with the ohio state basketball team uh, ohio state's had an alumni team for the last two seasons and this year they're they're back for a third year with the games being hosted in Columbus. And I'm just kind of curious, just starting off, you know, what your perspective is and in, in seeing some of these guys that you've played with at Ohio State uh, now as, you know, professionals playing overseas back in the United States each summer playing in TBT. Oh, I, th I thought you were going to ask, why am I not on the team? Well, that's, that's the, the next thing. I was going to be my follow up. We went through that. Went through the <laughs> um, no, it's it's awesome, man. Like I I uh, I've been I, I've lived in Columbus up until I moved out here a couple months ago, Los Angeles. Um, but I was I, I lived in Columbus the uh, when they started forming the team, and I would go to those practices. And man, it, it is so so cool. And I think 
it, it kind of represents what makes TBT cool to me is that it's it's just like kind of a nostalgia trip, but it's the basketball is still good. Like you're getting these guys that can still play and are obviously playing professionally. Um, but for, for someone who like played with all these guys at Ohio state, uh, we, we have a very tight community of former players, um, at Ohio state. And anytime we get together, uh, really any group of us, um, it, it, it's a big deal and we really enjoy it. So, uh, when I was back in Columbus and they would have practices, I would just pop in. I wouldn't, I wouldn't play with them. I didn't really want to play with them. I, I was joking earlier. I don't actually want to be on the team. I, <laughs> I my playing days are long gone. Um, but, uh, just to be in the gym with those guys in the same gym that we, we won, you know, championships and, and, and spent four years. I spent four years with all those guys. Um, it's just really, really cool. And I think that's what's, uh, what these alumni teams and, and TBT, uh, it's like a cool experience to see these guys all over the country popping up again like that. One thing that came up for a couple of years before, you know, the, the Ohio State team even came in was sort of this legendary basketball scene in the summer in Columbus with former Buckeyes, guys that now live in Columbus, like LD Williams, Courtney Pegram, guys like that. Can you kind of set the stage for us, you know, that haven't seen it? What is, what is it about that situation in Columbus in the summer that makes it so unique and so family oriented from a Buckeyes perspective? Yeah, I mean, part of it is like Ohio State is, is, I mean, it's, it's a school that, you you can't be passive about the Buckeyes if you go to Ohio State. Like they beat it over your head. Um, and I'm saying this in a good way. It's like it's we're the only show in town, really. Like the Columbus Blue Jackets have gotten a little better, and we have the soccer team, the crew. But like otherwise, there's no professional football or basketball or anything like that. So people go nuts for Ohio State. And if you play there, you feel the love. And and Columbus is like an actually big city. That's another thing. Is like a lot of the colleges. Um, are in smaller towns across the country, but Columbus is like a, a major, uh, I, maybe not major, but to me it was. Um, it's got a million people there. So it's like a real city. You have a, a school that, that if you play for Ohio State, people go nuts for you and, and love you. So, uh, just right there, you've created an environment where like players, guys who played at Ohio State want to spend time in Columbus in the summer because that's where they went to school. It's a cool city, all that kind of stuff. And so building on top of that, I think like, you have all these former Ohio State guys there. And so you start getting other guys, as you said, like LD Williams and guys like him that, uh, then want to get in those runs. Cause I mean, you could go into the Schottenstein Center any day this summer and just like pop in and it's just a, a laundry list of NBA players in there. And it's crazy to, it's, it's really, really crazy to witness. Cause it's just like, it, it, you almost like lose count of all the guys that have, that have been through Ohio State in the last 15 years or so. Um, and then you walk into the gym and they're all playing each other. And it's like, wow, this is, incredible this should be on tv and then that's where you guys step in and you're like yeah let's put it on tv <laughs> do um well i guess i'm curious also like are fans ever able to go in and see all these guys play uh in these pickups at the shot and scene center or anywhere else on campus uh, no i don't I, i'm not as far as I, I they probably used to be able to a few years ago before, before the security got beefed up there <laughs> they used to have like a loose back door that guys could just slide in. They started getting a lot of riffraff. Like you get like random guys showing up and, and uh, trying to get in to play. Like it wasn't even people wanted to watch. It was like people wanted to play with the guys and everyone's like, does anybody know this guy? And then people figured out that some guys were just like sneaking in and uh, security got a little better, but not, they, they don't make it public. I guess that's part of the charm of it. It's sort of like the, uh, those, those private games that like, you know, LeBron and, and those and Russell Westbrook have out in, like Pepperdine's campus or whatever, and you just hear stories about that. It's like that, just scaled down a little bit, obviously. Mark, obviously this team has home field advantage for playing in Columbus, and these guys, you know, Kraft, Diebler, Lighty, have all been a part of this team in the past. Obviously, you fell a little short last year, but 
That crew returns for the most part. You insert Deshaun Thomas for Jared Sullinger, who right now is is not in the mix with that team. How far do you think this team has a chance to go? Can they can they make a deep run again in what could be potentially their final run as a, as a unit? Yeah, this might be their last one. I was talking to those guys, and they uh, they, they don't like not winning. <laughs> I think they I think they all signed up for it. They can we'll just roll through this. This will be easy and. Uh, I'm glad that I'm glad that they they, they don't in a weird way because it, it kind of validates the the event that you can't just show up and um, expect to just beat anybody. That's what I don't. I I think that's what they got to do. They got to practice. I think these guys they assume because they played together for so long that they could just play together now, and uh, that's not the case. I go I go watch them play pickup, and they don't actually. They kind of hate each other in a weird way because they they spend so much time playing against each other like all summer. That like just animosity builds and like it's like a brother rivalry and um I don't know I, I that's why I wanted to get involved man I need to be a coach on this team because I, I I sense all of this they they have this rivalry they'll play cards like they're the best of friends but you know how it works it's just everyone's so competitive and I feel like they need to all get on the same page and um but they you know they have the talent to to win the thing it's just uh that's that's the key and I I really like uh, adding Deshaun. Though. Deshaun's going to be awesome. He's, he he seems like he'll be great for this event. Um, right. You have any inside who, scoop on? Uh, I'm sorry, Jake, but uh, you got any inside scoop on Sollinger playing or not? Um, I I do not. Um, and and if I did, I was told not to say. Like I I did ask him. About it. <laughs> not him. I asked like I, I was talking to Diva on the phone the other day, and he was like, I have no idea. But uh, if you tell anybody, if if you didn't know and he told anybody, I'd kill you. And I was like, All right, cool. <laughs> Good <time to> do. <laughs> Jake, I cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, obviously, Deshaun Thomas is a new face to that team. For those who might not be as familiar with him on a national level, what does he bring to that team? And can he sort of fill in that cylinder role if Jared doesn't end up playing this year? He brings scoring and more scoring and more. That's that's Deshaun Thomas is one of the great Ohio State players that I fear will be lost to history just because he played during this era where there were so, as we were saying, like so many great players at Ohio State, and he was just kind of even keeled. He was never the best player on any Ohio State team, but that dude is unbelievable. He was one of my favorite. He's from Indiana, so I, I love him for that reason. Um, as a as a fellow Hoosier turned Buckeye, uh, I always have a soft spot spot in my heart for him. But um, no man, he I, I remember like when I was at Ohio State, and he came to Open Gym when we were recruiting him. And, uh, I would have to guard him at times. And like, I remember like, I'm guarding like a kid who's like a junior in high school. And, you know, there were times in practice where I'd guard like Evan Turner's national player of the year. I shit. Sometimes they had me guard like centers on the team and I, whatever. The point is I've never felt more helpless in the Ohio <laughs> state practice gym than when I was guarding a junior Deshaun Thomas, a junior in high school, Deshaun Thomas. I was like, I have no idea how to stop this guy. Um, you know, this was a common theme with my defensive uh, approach is I had no idea how to stop a lot of people, but Deshaun <laughs> is unbelievable. He's he's so talented, and uh, I, I love watching him play. He's just so smooth. Um, one guy who didn't really struggle defensively, at least at any point in his real career when he's been healthy, is your your pal Greg Oden. And seeing him play last summer, slapping the bracket up uh, when, when the uh, Scarlet and Gray at the time, as it was called, advanced, was really, for me personally, just a huge thrill to see the joy back on his face. And I know he graduated from this spring uh, from Ohio State finally after an undergraduate degree that he got. Can you um can you kind of talk a little bit about what that was like last summer to see Greg play, and um yeah. you know what what he means to the program historically? Yeah, he uh I, I'm so so happy for Greg. Like I I um I really do get emotional when I talk to him about it and uh just the the ups and downs of his life and not even and whenever people 
talk about that. They always just want to focus on that his knees exploded and like he had a bad NBA career. But like the the man has been through so so much off the court. Um and and now he's he's married, he's got a baby girl, he lives in Columbus, he's so so happy. Like the whole burden of uh being the number one pick that fizzled out, he's finally gotten over that. And um and, and that's why he played last year was just he, he finally got to a spot where he's like, I'm not, I'm not here to prove anything to anybody. I don't care if like I get dunked on 30 times and people on the internet are making fun of me and saying this. He truly did not care. He was just like, I love basketball. I love the guys I played with at Ohio State. Uh, I just want to play. Um, we're going to have some fun. We'll see what happens. And that was, that's his attitude. And, um, I'm just so happy that he got to that point because for so long, that was not the case. I mean, he was, he was going to, he played in China for a year to, to try to like make a comeback. And then he, he, he signed a contract with the Heat that one year and they, they went to the finals and ended up losing. And, uh, and, and that whole season I would talk to him and he, it was just brutal. Like the travel was so brutal on his body. Um, even in the NBA, it, the travel is horrible for him. Um, and, and I was just like, man, you don't have to do this. Like no one cares. No one ultimately cares. Like if, if you're not happy doing it, don't do it. Um, and finally, I think, uh, uh, he, he got to that point where he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't need to chase this feeling of like validation that I'm better than Kevin Durant or whatever. Cause that's never, ever going to happen. No one's ever going to say like, yeah, Greg, you had a better NBA career than Kevin Durant. So just let it go. Enjoy life. Uh, and that's what he did, man. So yeah, it was, it was, it was really, really cool to see him, um, just get to a point where he's playing basketball for fun because that's, you know, I've known Greg his whole life basically. And, um, that's what he's always been is like, that's what it's always been to him was when we were in seventh grade playing, he just loved it. Just had a lot of fun. He wasn't even very good back then. He was just like, <laughs> I love playing basketball with my friends. So um, to see him back there was, was pretty cool. It seems apparent when we look at the Ohio state team, uh, Mark, that there's a lot of camaraderie, friendship, family, uh, when you're talking about how teams go back to Columbus and there's something about that program and certain programs that seem to lend themselves towards alumni teams and TBT. I'm mm-hmm. wondering if you can kind of talk a little bit about, what makes or what made the Ohio State program different that led to all that camaraderie? And then what might be different about some other schools where those those teams really haven't gotten off the ground? I think uh, it starts at the top. And uh, Thad Motto is a guy who every sense of the term is a player's coach. Um, he he understood the relationship. Like he, he, he always understood how important relationships with people are and that is you you i mean that's kind of the i think that's the woody hayes thing at ohio state is you win with people um and that that's kind of something that was instilled in our program and, and was part of the culture of our program was like like that's told coach Mata. i've talked to him about it a million times he's like i'd rather i'd rather lose every game with guys i love and win a national title with guys i hate and mm. um that's been his approach towards create towards building that program and i mean this is the the, the era of guys we're talking about. So, so Coach Mata builds the that that legacy, and uh, then Coach Holtman, to his credit, the first thing that, that that Chris Holtman did when he took the job was to to call like all former players. Like I remember the day he got the job, I was golfing with Mike Conley, and uh, Holtman called Conley that day. It was just like, hey, I I I know you don't don't know me. I know you love Coach Mata. Um, I know you're probably upset that Mata was fired. But I just want you to know it's very important to me that we we continue with this culture of former players um, coming back and, and and supporting the program and being involved. This is your program. Uh, Holman like doubled down on that approach. And I think that's really what it is. And, and then as you get older, you kind of like appreciate that. Like every year I go back for the um, we have we have a big reunion. That's another thing is like Coach Mata started this thing where uh, 
we have a former players reunion where every guy that ever played at Ohio State goes comes back to the shot, and we just kind of I grab dinner and we all talk. So you got guys that played on the 1960 national championship team, and you got guys that are on the 2012 Final Four team, and we're all and everything in between. And I think uh, just doing stuff like that is huge, and 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 it's it, it works, and and that's that's really it. And I don't I don't think every program does that. I think there are obviously a lot of coaches that are in it for themselves, in it for money. Um, kind of have more of an abrasive approach to their coaching style. Uh, but Coach Motto is always like a player's coach, always like he, he, you could tell that like the most important thing to him was that was not winning today's game or winning a championship later this season. It was like when you guys are 50 years old and I'm 80 years old, I want to still be friends with you. I still want to mm-hmm. talk to you all the time. I want to follow your life. Um, and I love you guys. And that was always his approach to coaching. So I think I think we just followed his example, and 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 that's why everyone's so tight and keeps that camaraderie going. Hey, Mark, the uh, the alumni teams are kind of the bread and butter, and you know people get they're exciting and kind of what people talk about with TBT. But um, we've kind of it's kind of been the teams like who aren't alumni teams who have won. You know, Everline Drive, Overseas Elite, our four time champion team challenge ALS. Why do you kind of uh, maybe think the alumni teams haven't been kind of able to get over the hump and? Um, you know, is there anything that they can really do to kind of keep up with teams who have a way bigger kind of recruiting pool and that they can recruit anybody around the world to play for them where kind of alumni teams are kind of just dialed into whatever, you know, school or program they're, uh, they're representing. Yeah, that might, that might be something. I mean, yeah, the, the, the alumni teams are kind of stuck with, if, if you're an alumni team of a, and you have a crappy group of guys that aren't that good you're kind of stuck with the <laughs> you can't really get guys outside of your little bubble um i wonder too i'm just spitballing here i wonder if like the alumni teams everyone is still set in their roles of you know they played together in college seven years ago and everyone thinks that they're we should you know i averaged 17 a game seven years ago so that means that i have to now average 17 a game in the tbt and they get like stuck in these roles of uh assuming that we should all play the same part that we did on the college team whereas the the other guy the other teams don't have that i don't know i'm maybe there's something to that because i i say this just i'm projecting for sure because this is a uh, something that happens to me when i go play pick up with these guys that they always for for now until the day i die i'll always be like the walk-on scrub they can't do anything and like you know it's, it's i understand why it is but it's like my game has changed so much like i i now just I don't know. I used to rebound well. Now I don't rebound. I never get inside the three-point line. Uh, so there's just a lot of stuff like that that uh, uh, I wonder how much that goes into it. Guys just like, yeah, that that John Diebler, you're a shooter. That's all you're supposed to do. And John's like, no, I don't. I, I do more than that now, guys. <laughs> I can do more than that. Um, I don't know. That's a great point. I hadn't really thought about that. I know, Jake, you had a question you wanted to ask him about um, alumni teams too. Yeah, I just want – obviously, we have a lot of great new alumni teams this year, Kansas, Wisconsin, George Mason, West Virginia. Just curious to see what alumni teams that aren't in CBT this year that you'd potentially like to see uh, make a debut in 2020. Hmm. Which ones that aren't in? That, uh, I mean, Duke's the obvious answer, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Duke is Duke not only, not only – yeah, not only because it's Duke, but like – they have the thing called the brotherhood where they, they pretend like they invented the idea of <laughs> former players, like being friends that like former players that didn't actually play together necessarily are still tight because they all played at Duke. Um, like they invented this concept and it's like, we'll prove it. Like 
put a team together. Let's see it. And then I guess Duke people will say, well, it's hard because all of our guys are in the NBA and, you know, yeah, whatever. Um, I, I want to see a Duke team. I would love to see a Duke team. I think that's what this needs. This event needs. People hate Duke. This is like basically for me, TBT, as I said, is just like, it's like college basketball, but professional, um, in, in a way. And, and it's a fun little, t- it's like March Madness over the summer is how I feel about it. And what is March Madness if there's not Duke for America to cheer against? You know, <laughs> that, that, that's my point. You know, it's an interesting, I have a theory that the more McDonald's All-Americans you have that go through your program, the harder it is to pull off an alumni team, not just because a good number of them end up in the NBA, but because they don't necessarily want to come back as lesser than what they thought they were going to be. So like, I'm personally really intrigued to see this Kansas alumni team this summer, uh, because that's really one of the, one of the few, what you would call traditional top five blue chip programs that is taking the leap. And Elijah Johnson is really sticking his neck out, I think. Rightfully so, because he's got a great team. Um, Mark, I wanted to ask you just a couple more things real quick. You were sort of one of the original, as I remember, celebrity walk-ons at a college basketball program. And since then, you know, we've gone through quite a few. Two of them this year, Jeremiah Bonsu and Joey Gruden, have formed a Dayton alumni team uh, called the Red Scare that's actually going to be playing in Columbus this summer. Um, curious, first off, if you have any thoughts on those two guys, have you ever connected with them? Uh, and then secondly... Uh, what you think about that Dayton team? I know that they have a bit of a history with Ohio State. Yeah. So the first part, um, I've not actually talked to those guys, but they have my full support. I, as I'm hearing you talk, like I thought, I thought about this that there is like sort of a fraternity of walk-ons as well. Um, you know, we've been talking a little bit about the camaraderie and the the kind of brotherhood fraternity type stuff. Uh, that definitely exists within walk-ons where, um, I, every time I go to a final four and, and someone comes up to me and says, like, I read your book or I read your blog. I was a walk-on here, here, here. I, we, we have like an instant connection of like, Oh, so you get it. You understand what it's like to, right. to be, um, the guy that gets the crap beaten out of you in practice and you get no credit for anything and you're happy to do it still and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I, I support every walk-on. I, I love all the walk-ons. Um, I love. Also, uh, I, I want to make it clear that, that, that I support walk-ons being, trying to be celebrities, trying to be whatever. Uh, sometimes people, this will happen where people will like tweet me stuff and they'll say like, this guy is stepping on your turf. Like you're, you know, like some walk-on will make like a trick shot video and they're like, you send this guy a cease and assist. And I say, no, I, it's, it's free. I'm open source. The idea of being a jackass walk-on is an open source concept. Anybody can take it. <laughs> I'm free to share that, that that premise with anybody. Um, so I support I support all that stuff, man. I, I I love I love walk-ons. They're the most interesting guys on the team by far. Um, so I'm 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 all for it. But uh, yeah, man, the Dayton team is interesting because it's it, I don't say this because uh, uh, I really don't say this to get under their skin. But like I don't really think Ohio State fans care that much about Dayton. But I know Dayton hates Ohio State. Um, so that's always an interesting dynamic. We played Dayton in the NIT. Um, in 2008 when I was on the team and they played at the Schottenstein Center. And I think there were more Dayton fans there than Ohio State fans because Ohio State fans were like, this is NIT. We don't really care. This is stupid. And Dayton fans were like, we have a chance to beat Ohio State on their home court. And they like packed our place out. It was a wild atmosphere. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen because I'm sure all those Dayton guys like know what, what they're up against. And, they're, and, and it's not the same, you know, it's not, it's not Ohio State Dayton, but it is, you know, it's like still the same guys and, yeah. Uh, those same feelings of like when I was when we played at Dayton, we were overshadowed by John Diebler and Deshaun Thomas and Aaron Kraft. So let's go beat them and uh, get a little validation from that. So 
it'll be interesting. It does seem like walk-ons kind of make the best GMs. And the Wichita State alumni team, two of the organizers there are walk-ons that just graduated within the past year or two. So with that in mind, if you were to put together, you know, let's call it a one shiny team or the bag team, I'll let you and mm-hmm. Tate kind of workshop that name there. Mm-hmm. Who would be your first phone calls? And can we see that happen in CBT 2020? Oh, my gosh. My first phone calls. That's a great question. I would, I would, my first phone call, I would just, I would just go the route of like, like I would do, I would just try to poach all the guys from the overseas league team. <laughs> I would just figure out a way to do that. I would just like, I, I mean, listen, I, it's recruiting. It's dirty. That's how it works. This is, this is this business. Um, I would just get, I would just get fat duffel bags and make some phone calls there and be like, y'all already built the, the, the winner. You guys already have this system. I want in. Here's, here's a big stack of money. Let's go. <laughs> I would figure it out. I would, I would do negative recruiting. I would like start talking to them. I'd be like, listen, you guys keep winning, but what is it about this? Is there anything about this team you don't like? And then if they say one thing, I'll be like, well, okay, we won't do that on my team. I promise. And then that's it. That's great. And obviously you'd be a player's coach and GM having uh, learned from yeah. the best at Thad Mata. Because that's got to be so frustrating, man, is like put together a team and then these guys win every year. Um, and it, it's like, why put forth the effort of like trying to actually assemble a real team when it's already there? You have the, you have the team. I, I just want to make just take that team. That's what I want. We went <laughs> through the exercise. Play, yeah. We went yeah. through the exercise, Mark, last week of trying to figure out like what the perfect lineup would be for TBT or what the roster would look like. And it just obviously always comes back to what overseas elite does because whatever they do yeah. seems to work 25 and 0. Unbelievable. Um, remember that you can catch Mark Titus on One Shining Podcast on the Ringer Network. Mark, thanks again so much for your time. Really hope to uh, touch base again later this summer, and hopefully we see Ohio State's alumni team, now called Carmen's Crew, uh, advancing pretty far in TBT this summer. That would be cool. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. I'm looking forward to TBT. It's it's always a fun time to watch, and uh, I, I love the idea. I love how much it's grown. I love that it's become um, just something that, that everyone knows. Like I don't have to explain it to anybody anymore when I talk about it, which is awesome. It's really, really cool that you can just say TBT and people know what it is. So um, I'm a fan. Thank you guys for having me on. It was fun to talk to you guys. All right, guys, that was a great interview with Mark. What a fun guy. Really smart. Like I said, um, I'm a really, I was really impressed by the observation that he made, um, Josh, about this idea that when guys finish with the program, that somehow when they come back with alumni teams, they're oftentimes pegged into whatever role that they had back when they were in school, as opposed to what we've observed is that guys can really improve over those three to four years between when, when they, whenever they were last seen at that school. I thought that was a fascinating observation or not one that I had really thought about. Yeah. Well, we talk about all the time, Dan, about how, um, like if a guy watched, I don't know, Aaron Craft in college, he was a great player in college, but then they watch TBT and they're like, Oh, he's, five times better than he even was back then. And uh, that's something like we all talk about all the time. But I don't think like to Mark, like uh, Mark mentioned, I don't think people kind of realize how hard it is to then link up with this you know group of guys where everyone had their own role. Everyone kind of was like a certain piece of the puzzle. And maybe that has to change a little bit based on, um, you know, different things that guys have developed or roles they've played with other teams since they've graduated from college. Um, and that might be maybe something that is kind of unique to alumni teams where if you have an overseas elite type team, they just kind of come out and they ball together and they figure out their roles kind of as they go, mm-hmm. where like Mark mentioned for the alumni team, sometimes you're probably coming in with a little bit of that kind of like preconceived notion of this guy's going to do X, that guy's going to do Y. So 
Um, really good point by Mark that I don't think I've ever even thought of before. Jake, one of the things that that he also was talking about a lot, I thought, was the culture of all these alumni coming back to Columbus every summer. And, you know, you and I have seen it in talking to all these teams all throughout the offseason. If you don't have that culture where uh, guys want to come back and play and compete against each other and against guys that they didn't even actually play with at the school, it's really hard to pull off an alumni team uh, in 2019 or 2020, even beyond. It's hard to pull it off the way you want it to go. You can put together an alumni team, but it might be more of a makeshift team if you don't have those relationships put together. And I think the transition you talked about from Coach Mata to Coach Holtman uh, is, is a big deal. And coaches who are able to handle those situations delicately and correctly and be able to reach back out to old alumni who helped craft the program and get it to where it is today and sort of offer that that olive branch, so to speak, and allowing them to come back and continue to be a part of the program is huge and is big for not only the culture around that program, but continuing its success going forward. Uh, it's it's difficult to have a program that runs well, uh, to continue that camaraderie and to have fan buy-in uh, if you aren't able to instill that sort of culture and to keep it going uh, as previous coaches have in the past. So I think that's important. And also to his point about sort of, you know, what makes Ohio State go and why those those guys are so revered in that area. You know, there's not a ton, and I was actually speaking about this with a friend the other day. When you become sort of the the landscape of that sports culture in that city in general, and you look at what makes Syracuse so successful, they're in the middle of nowhere in New York, and that's all that there is up there. And, it, and Kansas, you know, Lawrence, Kansas, there's no major sports teams out there. You become what's important. You become the people that, that other people that fans have watched you in the area or while they were in school. You become like part of their families, part of their lives, you know, just about forever. Uh, so which is why when these guys go back home, uh, people can't wait to see them play, talk to them, be around them again, and just sort of relive those memories. So I, I think the culture of of building those college programs over the years and maintaining that, as well as sort of the the landscape of where those schools just happen to fall within the you know the continental United States, sort of creates that perfect storm for for programs like Ohio State and Syracuse to be so successful in this format. Guys, that was great stuff with Mark Titus. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week. I know it's the 4th of July, but we're not going to take the day off. We are going to be back and we'll start our regional previews next week, diving into our brackets and putting our necks out there as to who we think is going to succeed and who might not succeed in TBT 2019. Thanks again, Josh and Jake, for joining us. And we'll be back next week. Thanks again. See you guys then.